DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken Welcome back to Freedom Unchained This is episode 28 and I am your infamous host, Joseph Thomas what we do here is bring out the voice of the voiceless and be the voice for J6. Break the chains off of freedom, speak truth to power, and let those that are being politically persecuted share their stories directly from them. Honest and unfiltered. Today's episode, we're going to be speaking with the lectern guy. I'm sure you've all seen his very famous photo that got spread all over the world within even a couple hours of it posting of him carrying the lectern inside the Capitol and with a big smile on his face. You're going to hear exactly what that's all about directly from him, as well as a debut of a new song from a very good rapping friend of mine by the name of Ron J. Spike Felt called Chains Off Me, and it is a song dedicated to J6, the truth of what happened that day, as well as uh, just, I mean, it's an awesome beat. You guys are going to love this. You don't want to miss. Make sure you like, share, subscribe, push the buttons, do the things that get this out into the public so that everybody can get the information and know the truth of what truly happened. Because this is not what you're going to hear on the lamestream, mainstream propaganda media. You're about to hear a story of... A man that was peaceful, nonviolent, he did go into the building, and he is well known for picking up the lectern and moving it into the middle of the room, and his picture was blasted all over the place. And yay, nay, think what you want about that. What's really just so disheartening is that he received death threats and threats to his family even while he was incarcerated, and they had nothing to do with it. The fact that society can threaten someone's life because they walked into a building and then left peacefully shows a inherent problem. 
within our country. Myself, I've received threats, and I didn't even go into the building. So, we as Americans need to take a step back and see what truly is going on. We are being politically persecuted and also attacked by our own fellow citizens, as well as the government, the DOJ, etc. But you are going to hear from Adam Johnson, the lectern guy, from his words, exactly his experience, his story with January 6th. All right, folks, we're back at it again. Love being a thorn in the side of the establishment. Funny how truth can be a little prickly sometimes, but you know how we roll here. I am with a January 6th defendant, or should we say victim of the Brandon administration. You guys might know him, very famous photos all across the interwebs. I am here with the lectern guy, Adam. Thank you for coming on to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak some truth and uh, let people understand exactly what's been going on. Hey, that's what we're all about here is speaking truth to power and putting it all out there. And, uh, you know, I've been following your case a little bit and it is truly compelling. And I'm going to have some uh, some interesting questions that I'm sure will arise as you tell your story. (laughs) And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Definitely an honor to have you on. And we certainly appreciate it. Other than the guy holding the lectern in the uh, Capitol, which priceless, by the way, <laughs> let let us know a little bit about you. Give us some insight as to what makes Adam. Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, so I mean, the photo is probably the most interesting thing about me now. Uh, it's kind of the thing that everyone knows me for. Um, other than that, I am a uh, happily married man. We're going on twelve years this year with my uh, my wife Susie. She is. The light of my life, she is a gem. You know, stick by me through all of this, and she's just been great. Uh, we have five sons together, ranging from uh, seven years old all the way up to 16. Uh, went to college for a couple of years. Turns out the kids needed more help than we could, than I could give them. So I put college on hold, uh, turned into a stay-at-home dad, you know, changing diapers and doing Common Core math. Um, outside of that, I, I smoke meats on the weekend, briskets, things like that, and Ooh. I do jujitsu for fun. And uh, I'm a carpenter. That's really all there is to me. Pretty, pretty normal, pretty average. If you saw me on the street, you probably wouldn't take a second look. Wow, five boys. So, kind of summarize that is you're not allowed to have nice things. <laughs> this is true. So they're getting older. It's really difficult when boys are young. I mean, you've got a bunch of kids, and boys when they're young, I just I've never had to clean the amount of piss I ever thought I would have to clean off the floors. It's been awful, but they're getting better. They're getting better at it. Now they clean their own bathrooms. So it's been, it's been on the up and up. There you go. Some real hard truths about the family life when it comes to having kids. I thought once I was done with diapers, that was going to be it, but no, they just transferred it to the floor instead. (laughs) Pampers need to come up with a solution. Hear that? Put that in the suggestion box, folks. (laughs) So let's kind of dive into it. Um, Like, what got you to go to Washington for for the rally in January 6th? Were you a political type of minded person or? So um, I I grew up in the arts. Uh, Both of my parents are musicians. Uh, I did theater when I was a kid, so I was exposed to a lot of, you know, leftist ideas, but I also grew up in church, so I also got a bunch of, you know, 
right-leaning ideas as well. So I've always been kind of in the middle on everything. I like to listen to people, find out where they're coming from, because maybe I don't know. Maybe I just not heard something that will change my mind or some you know angle I haven't thought of. So growing up that way, I wasn't super political. I was more of just let's just let people live they want to live. You know, more libertarian if anything. And I started listening to politics probably just before uh, Trump got elected. It was when he was running in 16. And I think the reason I started listening is because it, politics had never been so encompassing in everywhere you looked. It's in sports now. It's in movies. It is literally everywhere. Or maybe it used to be a little under the surface. Now it's just in your face, down your throat. You can't get away from it. So... As I'm watching this happen, I start to think to myself, why in the world is it like this? What's actually going on? 16 came through, didn't vote for Trump, didn't vote for the murderer. I was like, I just don't know, you know, if this is going to be a good look either way. I watched what happened for a couple of years afterwards, COVID, the BLM, uh, summer of love, country being burnt to the ground, autonomous zones being popped up and you know, different places throughout the country, Portland to Minneapolis, and I'm watching musicians and movie stars and everyone, comedians, Kathy Griffin holding a beheaded, bloodied effigy of a sitting president. And I think to myself, holy cow, maybe, just maybe, this guy is not establishment. And maybe voting really does work. Maybe we do have some type of power to get America back to where it's a place where I want to raise kids. So as I was watching all of those things unfold for a few years, I'm listening to podcasts. I'm trying to just learn what my opinion is going to be. And then we watched the election happen in uh, 2020 where they stopped counting votes, but they kept counting votes. There was something in me that said, you know, I, I need to be there, you know, in DC to go to this rally. I talked to my wife. I talked to you know, my family, and they said, it's probably not a good idea. And I said, well, I have a right to protest. I think our country is being usurped by, by, by foreign agents. I think that we have a lot of propaganda that's been floating around for years, and I think we should go protest. That's what happened. I, I went to D.C. because of all the things that had occurred across the past few years. Okay. And so when uh, you were at the White House Ellipse, did you stay for all of Trump's speech? Yeah, we got there um, early in the morning when the crowds were just starting to filter in. So I was there for the entire thing. I saw Giuliani speak. I saw, um, or they sang happy birthday to one of Trump's kids. And somewhere in the middle of it, I drifted off and went down to the World War II Memorial where they have the stars and the reflection pond and everything. And I was down there for a little bit and he came back. You know, Trump finally came on. He's a little late. And I listened to the whole speech. And at the end of his speech, he said, we're going to march peacefully down to the Capitol, you know. And I was at a protest. I said, well, I guess that's where the protest is going. I guess I'll keep walking. And what a lot of people don't know, I mean, I'm sure you know, is that the Capitol was already, you know, under siege at that point when Trump was still speaking for about 20 minutes. They were already pulling down barricades and, you know, acting foolishly there. During that time is where a majority of the six or seven videos that the news plays on repeat 24 7 came from and the majority of the uh, folks that actually were at the rally 
just walked into it not knowing anything that was actually going on or that had happened because they shut off all cell phone data and you know you you couldn't get a a, a tweet a text a nothing out or in from anybody um whether it was from overuse of uh you know bogging down the system or if they actually have the means to to shut down data service in the area like it was, it was pretty much a radio blackout and so people were walking blindly into something that had already been going on for half an hour with no warning uh and no indication until you got pretty close to the building um that's exactly correct and by time that i got down there i mean they were already you know at the doors they were already you know you know yelling at cops and stuff and the cops were already you know kind of forming loose barricades and you know loose um you know loose walls and stuff and by the time i got there i didn't know what was going on but it's kind of like looking at a car accident on the interstate you know you want to curse the rubberneckers that slow down and call us all the all the backups and traffic but i mean if you were the first person to see an accident you're going to slow down as well so when i got there it was kind of just in shock and all of like what the hell is going on here the i'm, I'm going to take a quick step back um mm -hmm. the atmosphere at the ellipse describe that and how it was for you there it looked like a uh, like a fair like some type of cosplay event for for just people who love the country everyone's wearing shirts you know with american flags they're waving flags i saw some people dressed up in revolutionary gear i mean people were jovial they were singing songs along with the music in between speakers these people were not there angrily these people were not there with any type of intention to do anything violent against the country they were there to protest or at least have their voices heard that's it we wanted to give a voice to our representatives and, and give a show of numbers that we the people supported the standing administration and uh we're hoping that the constitutional process would play out in the way that it should you know i, I know my audience knows this but there's I think it was close to 100 members of Congress during that day brought forward um, evidence of suspected fraud and wanted to investigate. But their voices were shut down by uh, by Pence and Pelosi and, and others in there. It's very unfortunate because the Constitution allows a 10 day grace period to investigate any suspected fraud. They actually have a constitutional duty to in, uh, in investigate any sort of malfeasance when it comes to our elections. Um, before they gave it the rubber stamp. But as we all know, and history dictates, that's not what happened. Now, as you approach the cap, what was your first idea that, that something just wasn't right? Well, as I'm approaching the Capitol, um, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe a tenth of a mile back. I'm over by some federal buildings, they're all federal buildings. And there is this line of police officers that are, you know, stopping. I want to say it's the National Archives that I was at. And there's a line of police officers at the top of steps. I didn't see, I was walking backwards, taking video. And as I'm walking backwards, I hear a cop tell me, no further, sir. And I'm like, oh, sorry, not a problem, right? Because most of us there are not there to, you know, fight cops and stuff. And I turn back around, I'm taking video, a couple minutes pass, and then I see cops start bolting um, westward, right? And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? A few minutes later, I hear from the crowd, Pence didn't do it, Pence didn't do it, which I thought was interesting because how would how would they know? Like, what sources do these people have from the crowd to know that Pence didn't, you know, reject votes or 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 send them back? So when I heard that Pence didn't do it, the crowd just started moving a little more quickly towards the Capitol. And uh, I'm someone, the reason I'm at the Capitol is 
again, I grew up in a place where I try to listen to all sides. I don't know who's lying to me. I don't know how much the left is lying. I don't know how much the right is lying. I'm a, I'm a person who wants to be there on the ground and see things unfold for myself. So as they say this and people start rushing forward, you know, picking up their pace, I follow them to the Capitol. And it's it's not these people were aggressively pushing or shoving. They just started walking a little more quickly. Okay. And so obviously you ended up in the building because of the infamous photo where you're carrying the lectern. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, um, there's not much to it. When I approached the Capitol, I saw a police line and I saw a line of people who were shouting at the cops saying things like you betrayed our country you know you're you shouldn't be in our way we have a right to protest and I was pretty close to the front of the line and I'm taking video because again I don't know what's going to happen but I want to see I, I want to witness it myself and at some point there was tear gas or a um or a flashbang that was released into the crowd that I was in and things just let loose at that point People rushed the cops and cops rushed the people. It was almost like it was the, you know, like some type of signal for things to start or something. And as I'm watching the shoving match happen back and forth between the cops and the protesters, I back away from it because I'm I'm not there to participate in any violence. I'm there to make sure that our voices are being heard. So as I walk away from that, I climb up some scaffolding. I'm looking around and I'm seeing all of these people who were there to do the same thing protest. And I'm, I'm taking some video, I'm watching what's going on, and as I look over, or uh, down towards the crowd, I see people starting to move towards the building, and they're not coming back out. So I'm assuming, oh my god, they might be going inside or something. I come down some stairs, and lo and behold, everyone's walking inside. The doors are wide open, didn't see how they were open, just saw they were opened, and hundreds of people were going inside. So I followed the crowd inside. And we were kind of going through a, a narrow corridor that opens up into the rotunda. And, you know, there were chants going on at the beginning of it, you know, stop the steal, uh, whose country, our country, just, you know, protest rhetoric. And as it opens up into the rotunda, it gets almost completely quiet, just completely just dead space quiet. And I think it has something to do with just the respect these people had for our country the building because in the rotunda it's it's our history all over the walls it's you know the oculus is is painted with with patriots who founded the country it's it's our history people were reverent and as it gets quiet we're all walking around through the ropes no one's destroying anything no one's touching anything they're taking pictures like they're in a museum and um i mean it's, it's how the lectern story actually happened as i'm walking around taking pictures I see this lectern sitting under some stairs and it's not in a locked room. It's not behind barricades or closed doors. It's sitting out in the open. And I think to myself, you know, that's going to make a great picture. I'm going to, you know, get a picture with the lectern because holy cow, look where we are. I pick up the lectern. I walk less than 20 yards with it to the center of the rotunda. Um, I set it down. I give a short speech and I leave it there. So this was like the first 10, 15 minutes I was inside the Capitol. And, and what did your speech entail? <laughs> My speech was, uh, I think, very libertarian. I said, um, we need to call order to the House. We need to set some new, some new rules, some new parameters. Um, no more treasonists, no more traitors, and we're going to vote on one budget item at a time. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought it covered everything. I thought it would fix everything. True American diplomacy at work. 
obviously, uh, you know, you were you were arrested for all this afterwards. We'll go we'll go into that. Um, after you were in the rotunda, um, as you were leaving, whatever, did you notice anything kind of out of sorts? Anything that that sticks out to you now in hindsight? Like that that was kind of weird, or this shows something that was uh, not status quo. I guess I could say there were photographers everywhere. Uh, there was press everywhere in the building um, when I walked in. And I have to assume that we were the first group that did walk in from the West Face because um, at the end of it, I, I ended up with Ashley Babbitt's group. So I was in the same places that QAnon Shaman were. I mean, I must have been no more than two or three minutes behind the, um, I guess, you know, the front lines, the, the people who were in first. So what I noticed is why are they all here now? and they're all set up they're all you know taking pictures and filming things and my initial thought was this is just a protest um there's nothing really tragic going on right now but the people that were there didn't really seem to have like a plan it wasn't like they were you know marching towards things and you know breaking down doors to get to a specific place they were just there protesting were you anywhere near uh, where ashley babbitt was murdered I made it down to the Senate doors with a group that came in probably a few minutes later. And while at the Senate doors, um, there was a guy with a um, megaphone towards the front shouting out. And he was saying, you know, everyone be quiet. Everyone calm down. We're going to go inside. We're going to sit down. We're going to protest the votes peacefully and let our voices be heard. Like this was the temperament of the people that were there by that door. And I didn't know I was in Ashley's group until this must have been probably two months later when the video started to be released. But I started recognizing, holy cow, that's I'm right there with her. But that group was was not violent. They were protesting. They were demanding to be heard, but they were doing so in a way that I think is, is civil protest. And unfortunately, it ended in tragedy. Um we've all seen the the footage and uh we all heard of the uh untimely murder of of ashley babbitt and her mother mickey whithoff that has been out front ever since screaming from the rooftops um to honor her daughter and uh she's been holding a vigil actually outside of the jail in dc where many inmates are held uh because of january 6th um every single night for I think it's either eight or nine months now, um, nonstop, no matter what the weather's like and everything else. So she truly is a, a warrior putting out that information for our J6ers, showing support and solidarity, but also to continue the voice that was stolen from her daughter, Ashley. She was murdered in cold blood. There is no other way to put that. Ashley Babbitt was murdered. And this officer who murdered her basically blind fired into a crowd is what he did. There was no warning given. He could have done, he could have discharged his weapon into the ceiling. There's any other way he could have done this, but he chose to basically blind fire into a crowd, murdering an unarmed woman. That, I mean, I'm, you're online, you've seen, you've seen the memes, you've seen the things they say about her. I was under the impression that for the past two years, that murdering unarmed protesters, right? When cops murder unarmed protesters or unarmed citizens, that's a bad thing. Yeah, they burnt down our nation for, uh, for George Floyd and, and the others. Um, at least that was the excuses that they used to create the mayhem that they did. And it is um, beyond reproach what had happened uh, to her that day. They cleared him. 
and they gave him a 60-minute interview. I'm just shocked by this. If, if Chauvin had been given the same treatment, you know, and I won't harp on that too long, but he was he was guilty before he had a trial. And then, lo and behold, we have this man who murders someone in cold blood, and he's getting interviews, being cleared of murdering someone. He didn't even have to file a police report. So yes, and this is and this is a guy who has left his firearm in the Capitol, the bathroom, negligence with his firearm in his in his history. I mean, I've I've done some reading, and the heroes they are commemorating, the heroes they are propping up over this are are murderers and antagonists. And the same goes for the other deaths as well. Uh, Roseanne Boylan was yes. Um, you know, she she suffocated and passed out on the uh, pepper spray and, and tear gas that was sprayed into the tunnel in mass. And then plus the, the push of the crowd, you know, she passed out on the ground. And then Lila Morris, uh, Metro police officer, I believe, started to beat her with a nightstick in the head as she lay on the ground unconscious. And several of the inmates in D.C. and other federal prisons across the country have charges of assault on a police officer simply because they put their body between Roseanne and Lila Morris to yes. beg, begging her, you know, please stop, you're killing her, you're killing her. They didn't attack Lila Morris. They just put their own bodies at risk to try to protect Roseanne from being killed and, and beaten to death. But unfortunately, uh, their efforts did not succeed in, in Roseanne Boylan. And then there was also Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips who succumbed to the emotion of the crowd and or uh, crowd suppression munitions like uh, flashbangs and concussion grenades and hornet's nests, etc. And, you know, they, they had a heart attack and because of the negligence of the, uh, the officers or authorities in the area not giving them the proper medical care, you know, they, they lost their lives as well. And um, it is a, a black mark on the day as a whole uh, because four innocent people lost their lives. And just to be clear, that is all who died that day were protesters. Protesters were the only people that died that day, and at least two, at least one of them was was murdered without a doubt. And we have serious questions about about Roseanne. And I I don't understand why we don't talk about these things openly because I I don't think that murder is a good thing. And I, again, I think that most of us are on the same page with that. But you know, it is it is the government we're talking about. It's rules for thee, and not for me. They are happy to murder you, lock you in your home, force medical tyranny, and uh, I think one of the biggest things that upset me is how reductive the narrative is about January sixth. That we are all just a bunch of election deniers, and it's not that I'm exclusively an election denier. I have seen our rights being stripped away for the past five or six years from a radical government. And we are more than just people who have questions. We are people who have seen what is going on. And I think discrediting us, breaking us, making us not feel like we can speak out anymore, that's the ultimate goal of what they're trying to do to J6ers. Oh, absolutely. They want to scare the rest of America into silence and uh, put the military boot of the DOJ and, and the branded administration on the necks of the people because it's all about control and they want to um, they want to seize our rights from us because we the people are actually the ones in charge and they know it. Our voice has power. That's why they constantly try to silence us. Is definitely out there in the open. They're not trying to be subtle or uh, trying to hide it anymore. And so that's why one big thing that we promote here is my audience is to use their voice peacefully and to follow the constitutional process to help 
restore our nation to bring that awareness to talk to our neighbors and be like hey jim there's kind of something not right here to help open the eyes of the rest of the public exactly i've i've been very vocal about that that there's a there's a whole populace that is either willingly remaining ignorant or just blindly believes it but you have to remember these people are still americans where i'm not at war with my neighbor i'm not at war with my country that is that is not what's going on and at some point if we can help wake up our neighbors because again they're americans first we bring them back into the fold we don't sit here and have to wait on apologies we don't we don't need that we need to be better than that because these people whether they're again just willingly ignorant or just blindly following they need help they need to see the light they need to be shown the truth that any freedoms anything that's happening to people on our side right now that they're cheering along you know uh, arrest your political opposition you know any protester should be in prison for 20 years for insurrection any power you're giving to your government will be used against you on a long enough timeline and i i think these people are very short-sighted because they feel like they're winning their side is winning but their side is not america their side is their political party tell a lie long enough and repeat it enough people will believe it and uh that's what people are falling for you you hit it on the nose right there that our neighbors are our neighbors and our friends they're american citizens but they're being lied to they're misguided and so our uh animosity or righteous indignation should not be directed towards our neighbors it should be directed towards the sources of the misinformation which currently are those that are in my opinion illegitimately in power and that's who we need to raise our voice against it uh basic tactics that we saw that we saw in, in 1930s Berlin or in more modern campaigns what people understand to be co-intel pro and controlled opposition they uh, just keep repeating and parroting the same false narrative hoping that the populace will believe it and then they distract people with what is considered the bread and circus you know uh, Facebook and Twitter arguments and things of the sort people can't look up from their phones long enough to see the country burning down around them I read an article this morning uh came out from the BBC uh saying that intelligence now suggests that Russia warships were over the Nord Stream pipeline. And people will read that at face value and say, "Oh, well, the Russians did it." Even though we <laughs> have recordings of, you know, the president saying, you know, well, things had to be done. So we we get this propaganda and people just read the headline, "Oh, well, Russia blew it up." just either forgetting or not knowing what happened literally weeks before there's that um there's that line in 1984 where they reduced chocolate price or uh chocolate rations by you know 20% and the next day they uh they raised them i think by 5% and they said oh look you know the big brother has raised you know they're giving us 5% more chocolate even though less than 24 hours before, you know, they took away 20. And they believe it to be a good thing that they've lost 15% overall. And in less than 24 hours these stories happen and people just they they sob it up and say, "Well, this is the truth because I trust these sources." That's it. And um I, one of my favorite January 6 memes, it says remember January 6 and then it has a picture of a gas pump where it was a dollar 86. <laughs> and uh, you know, that that hits it on the nose because now when we're at you know 399 or 350 a gallon people are like oh hey at least it isn't 5 bucks you know but less than a couple years ago and we were 
energy independent and we had you know gas less than two dollars nationwide um, it's it's we, stockholm syndrome it's stockholm syndrome i mean these people still grocery shop right and they've they've been grocery shopping a long time everyone's been buying groceries their entire adult life and if you're if you're these people are saying the economy is in such a great place and i did they stop eating did they stop going to the grocery store did they stop filling up their cars are they looking at real estate i i can't i can't reconcile the belief that these people have with what is happening in front of their eyes oh absolutely i mean i got four kids myself and uh you know i had to take a second mortgage on my home just to get a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread pretty much and <laughs> my oldest boys eat me out of house and home you know and it's uh it's very unfortunate but the prices of everything and this has all been contrived and by design since this administration has come in and they do their best in mental gymnastics to try to pin it all on the, the Trump administration. But I mean, I hope that America is smarter than that to realize that this has been a very fast downward spiral um, based on the buffoonery of uh, Mr. No Malarkey Joe. Hmm. Absolutely. I know our grocery bill, um, I, I budget things pretty, pretty well. We have uh, five kids, three of which are teenagers and one eats like one. And our grocery bill went from about $1,200 a month to about $2,300 a month. We, we spend over $2,000 in food every month. We don't eat out anymore. And most of our meals are, are, you know, one pot meals that can go, you know, one or two days, but we're still spending over $2,000 a month in a grocery bill. It's more than our mortgage. And that, you know, that is an actual fact of uh, a majority of Americans can very likely relate to. Um, our grocery bill is, is definitely much more than our mortgage as well. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, I don't have to sell a kidney just to be able to feed my kids. Um, and I hopefully see that on the horizon. But unfortunately, well, the state of our nation is the complacency is going to kill us. I believe so. I think a lot of people are sitting back and, you know, this is kind of what I tell a lot of people. If, if all you're doing is spending your energy writing things online, being outraged in group chats, and you're not actually spending time with your neighbors, you're not spending time raising your kids at the dinner table, you're not sending your kids into the public schools to re-educate their friends as well, you're not doing anything then. You are actually doing less than nothing. I, I think you're wasting time, which is worse than sitting around doing nothing. That doesn't go for my audience. You need this information to uh, to educate those around the dinner table to spread it to the masses. But no, absolutely, I, I agree. Uh, people were keyboard warriors, but then they step outside and they put their mask on and agree with everything that whoever they're talking to says, even if it is just complete buffoonery. Um, but unfortunately, that is uh, how society tends to go because of the bread and circus distractions. You know, I always bring up the analogy that during the 2008 housing crisis is when Facebook put out Farmville and people were literally letting their children starve to death because they were too busy harvesting corn or whatever that game was even about. Um, I, I don't know, but it, it's all just a distraction. You know, how do you keep a baby from crying? You give it a pacifier. And the cell phones that people carry in their hands are, are pacifiers. It is, but it's also, it's, it's, I mean, everything, I think everything can be useful, right? As far as technology goes, we do with our cell phones, with the internet age, we're able to communicate more. We're able to get more information and resource ideas that we didn't have access to before. We see the mainstream media crippling and crumbling all around us. We see, you know, Vox going out of business. We see record low uh, viewership on, on 
almost every mainstream media network, people aren't going there anymore for information. That's so it, I, because they're coming here. Because this is mm-hmm. where all the info's at. But no, <laughs> exactly. for real, the, the alternative media has taken over the, the bastion of truth because we put everything out with sources and information verifiable. You know, we are the news. The mainstream, lamestream propaganda talking heads on TV are just repeating the same 4 a.m. talking points given to them by their communist overlords. And, you know, they don't put out anything that that is true. And whenever somebody on mainstream media, such as Tucker Carlson recently, Mm -hmm. uh, puts out some hard truths that they don't want to uh, highlight, then they get shit canned. And that's that's an unfortunate um, indicator of where our nation is. But it should be a huge red flag to Mary Margaret down the street that something isn't quite right. And so that'd be something maybe that we need to highlight to others about the mainstream lying. Uh, directly to their faces for years on end, but yet they still follow like lemmings. Yes, and so when Tucker got fired, I said the same thing. I said, look, I know a lot of you are lamenting what happened to Tucker. Look at this from a different angle. If anything, maybe people will see that Fox News has been controlled opposition for a while. It's it's filled with warmongers. It's, it's filled with people who are parenting, you know, just a different version of of mainstream media information. And maybe people will look at Fox differently, like, holy cow, I, I can't believe they did this. It's like, yes, this is who they are. And it's all mainstream media. And it's you just, you feel like you're part of the resistance by sitting down watching something that's, you know, well, it's Fox. Fox does, Fox tells the truth. And it's like, well, they tell, they tell some truth. They, and same thing with CNN, or it's more truth than CNN, obviously, but let it all go away. Let all mainstream media go away. They've all been propped up by Operation Mockingbird, intelligence agencies. Let them go away. Find real sources that aren't, that don't have all these sponsorships that have to plug things and make sure they don't step on toes. There's real information out there. And I think that Tucker being fired from Fox might push people to go source better information. This would be a great place to include uh, a clip from our sponsors. Um, <laughs> But one thing I actually, I mean, I do have sponsors with uh, Spotify, Mammoth Nation, um, Make Honey Great Again, and uh, P2P Printing. But the biggest thing that I love about all of them is that I have a free speech platform. There, nobody's going to tell me what to say. Nobody's going to say, well, you know, your guests can talk about this, but not that. Because then I would just kick them to the curb and go to the next platform. Exactly. Um, you know, because I've been shunned from a majority of social media anyway, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, <laughs> WeChat, WhatsApp. Like I've been banned from them all. If you know about a Mary Margaret, I'm probably banned from it. That's why I'm in weird little secluded corners of the internet like Telegram and Gilded and Getter and Truth Social now. And, and I am back on Twitter, but it's not my personal profile that's been banned and confiscated by the feds. But I have a thing, I have a thing for freedom page because of the, the campaign that I started back in the summer of 2021 to stand in solidarity with our J6ers. And I created the website and everything. It kind of be a central hub for people that want to get involved or to get more information that they can go there and find the groups that are out there doing the thing and to get the information of what's actually happening to the inmates, defendants, and families of January 6th and some of the videos of hard truths of what actually happened that day. Um, so check it out. Quick shameless plug. It's sing the number four freedom.us. Um, sing for freedom.us is where patriots need to go to to get involved in this fight for restoring our nation back to her original glory. Now um, I want to touch on something that you mentioned 
you said that uh, people have Stockholm syndrome, and that is a, the most accurate statement that I could think of. The, the dichotomy of left versus right, um, the Democrat versus Republican, CNN versus Fox. It's just two sides of the same coin. They're they're feeding us the Hegelian dialectic of well, here's a problem, and then they're going to tell you how to react, and then the quote unquote overlords, the cabal, the people that that are making decisions, stand there readily with the solution that involves you losing your rights, them gaining more power or money or whatever, and none of it is good for us little peasants down here in in futile land. That Stockholm syndrome is is exactly it because we are. Captivated by our 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 handlers, basically that are on TV, telling us how to react to everything, and then you know they'll say one little fact, and then spend the next thirty minutes of their TV show telling you how to think about it, and that is、um, a bane in our existence. People need to pull their heads out of their rectum and start doing their own research. And I get it, Jimmy Smith, Mary Margaret, they ain't got all that time because they got kids, they got jobs, whatever. But sometimes you have to just take that moment. And if something doesn't seem right, to just look a little bit deeper into it, or do a dig, as we call it,、um, and to find that information, because truth is what's going to set us free, right? And it, I don't want to sound cliche, but truth is the first casualty of war. If we let truth die, we've already been defeated. So we need to know 100, without a doubt, and to be able to speak truth to power exactly about what's going on, and to to defeat the narratives, the lies that are being fed to us, spoon-fed to us, really on a daily basis. Yes, all of that. <laughs> Absolutely, all of that. It's hard because you can rabbit holing things can blackpill you. You know, it can put you in a place where you feel like there is no hope, and you know we're not winning this back. And you turn out to be a prepper at the end of it. You buy a bunch of goats and start planting vegetables, which is not a bad thing. I definitely do encourage that. But how do you continue to be a part of society? How do you continue to raise a family? No one wants to be a social outcast. No one wants to be, you know, the weirdo at the table, you know, talking about, you know, I don't think the Titanic actually sunk because of an iceberg. J.P. Morgan actually was supposed to be on the ship, you know. So you start doing these things, and people look at you sideways. And then, especially being a J. Sixer now, having that additional label, you wonder, will anyone ever take you seriously again? And I don't care. I think at the end of it, I've got to that. I don't care. I'd rather be the person who is, who is viewed as like you know, some nutter. But in my heart, my soul, I know what's real, and I think a lot of people are going to have to sacrifice that part of them. Where like, listen, socially, you may not have, you might, be, you may not be the most popular person in the room. You you may have disagreements with your family, but the、uh, the other side of the coin is lying to yourself. The other side of the coin is is not being honest, and. I can't live like that anymore. What do you mean Columbus didn't actually make it to the United States and only stranded in the Caribbean? That's crazy talk. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I started listening to、uh, Jose from Tower Gang.、Uh, he had a whole thing on the OKC bombing. Fantastic stuff. If anyone gets a chance, they should definitely go listen to that on、uh, on the YouTube's and Rumbles. Okay, let's take a, a step back here.、Um, Sorry, <laughs> no, 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 you're good. I mean, I could, I could sit here and rap about this stuff all day long because, you know, my tinfoil hat has been turned into platinum through, through so much use.、Um, but I mean, you're, you're spitting truth, and I'm not calling anything that you're saying a conspiracy theory、um, because, frankly, the conspiracy is no longer a theory. We, we see it; it's in front of us. They're just being blatant about it. But after the Capitol,、um, you were arrested. 
Yeah. So um, after I left the Capitol, and this is something that I just I want to touch on, I was being recognized on the streets within two hours of my photo being taken. So the fact that my photo has been taken live inside the building by Getty Images, and it's already circulating, you know, the entire globe enough to where I'm being recognized within two hours on the streets. I, it was shocking to me. It was jarring to me because they're like, oh, my gosh, isn't that the guy from the Capitol? And it was so quick that I didn't really know what to do. I had I called a couple of uh, Leo friends of mine who said, look, man, you know, they're going to come ask you questions. So just be prepared for that. I called um, a good friend of mine. His name is Jennings Lawton DePriest III. He got me in contact with some attorneys and they told me, like, look, you're going to representation. You are you will be arrested. They're going to come pick you up. You don't get a photo like that and have them not throw the entire force of the government after you. So within, I think, 30 hours, I had hired them. Um, within 48 hours, I was being processed at Pinellas County. So within two days of the Capitol, I'd already been arrested. I had been doxxed on, on Twitter. There were death threats coming into my family saying they're going to rape my children and murder my wife while I'm still in D.C. They had to flee the house. I had my friends from my jiu-jitsu club come over. Uh, Sonny Parlin and a bunch of guys come over in body armor with AR-15s and, you know, get my family out of the house as quickly as they could. Wait, and it wait, was... Wait, hold on. I, I got to interrupt here. Uh-huh. Did you just say that you had a private ninja security detail come take <laughs> the family to save you? I belong to a uh, to a pretty cool jiu-jitsu academy. It's called uh, Gracie Bradenton. I've been training for a few years. These guys are all savages, like world-class athletes. And, you know, it's it's such a tight-knit community. When everything fell out, um, these were the people that were there for me. Uh, a lot of my, you know, church friends, I had been a worship pastor for a couple of years. I didn't hear anything from my church. I didn't hear anything from the people that I thought, you know, would be there for me. Who I heard from were these people who are rough around the edges, who, you know, smoke pot and probably drink too much and their their hobby is choking people to, to sleep those were the people that were there wow i want some ninjas as friends <laughs> that's awesome you gotta start jujitsu man some of the best people ever meet do they have like an old and fat starter class <laughs> we oh. actually have uh we have guys that are in their 60s that still train i mean it, it's every walk of life we have attorneys uh, police officers, plumbers, electricians, like we have every walk of life there. No, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And I'm sure there was a, a, a bunch of just the top notch guys that, you know, can, can live life and then also take it all in the same breath while kicking back a, uh, a, a non-transgendered beer. <laughs> but you know, that, that just, I had to stop on that one. You said your, your jujitsu class came in or um, guys from your, your jujitsu academy came and actually helped to provide security for your family to get them out of the area because of the threats. I'm not trying to make light of that whatsoever. It just, that kind of caught me off guard, but uh, no, please continue, continue. So, um, the charges came in on Friday evening. So, you know, the sixth was Wednesday by Friday evening. I'm sitting down with my attorneys, Dan Eckhart and Dave Bigney, and we're waiting. They're in contact with the AUSA, and I've already been doxxed. They know who I am. So we're talking with the AUSA, and they're like, you know, he's not running. You know, he, he's at his house. You know, if you guys need anything, here's our number. 
because we were just trying to be very upfront about everything because I thought, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, they're going to trespass me and be like, don't come back again because this is literally the extent of my experience in the building. So the charges come down and they, the charges are theft of government property um, for moving the lectern. I didn't actually take it out of the building. I moved it 20 yards and then I left it in the middle of the rotunda. And the theft charge was a felony because they said the lectern was worth more than $1,000. Um, there was also violent entry, which is a misdemeanor charge. But there is a video of me walking through open doors non-violently. And the last charge was entering and remaining in a restricted building, which is, you know, just glorified trespassing. So the initial charges were three. They, uh, they asked me to self-surrender to Pinellas County Jail for the weekend. They didn't want to wait till Monday. They wanted me to spend the whole weekend in solitary. So I got processed, thrown into solitary. And uh, Monday morning, they took me into court. They read the statement. This is the United States of America versus Adam Johnson, which is such a daunting statement to hear. They gave me an ankle monitor. There was a $25,000 bond. They gave me a curfew. I couldn't leave my house and told me to remain in the middle district of Florida. We're familiar with uh, Pinellas County and um, with you being in there in solitary and then arraigned and uh, given bond so quickly. I'm, I'm sure you never actually met Jeremy Brown then, correct? I'm aware of Jeremy Brown. Some of his people reached out to my people. But okay, no, but... I did not see him in, in Pinellas, no. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he actually has a, an interesting name uh, for the Pinellas County Jail. Um, if anybody's interested in what that is, go back and check my previous episode um, with Jeremy. <laughs> He's a, quite a character and a, a true American hero for his service to our nation and the Green Berets and, and what they're doing to him. His, his story is compelling. But um, I'm not gonna gonna harp on his thing. This is this is all for you. But I just wanted to make that connection to um, for my listeners that you know we are familiar with the Pinellas County and and the things that they do there uh, with January 6th inmates, defendants, and their families, etc. So um, after your release and uh, you were home on bond, you were kind of sequestered to your you know to your home. You couldn't leave to go anywhere. Um, what? How did things play out for you after that? It was hard. We didn't know if we were going to send the kids to school or if we could send them to school because of all the death threats that were coming in. Um, my wife was told not to come to work for a couple of weeks. They had to hire private security for her uh, for her work because there were threats coming into her work as well. And she had nothing to do with this. She was at home watching the kids. We didn't know what was going to happen. They were suggesting that you know I deserved a 20-year sentence for insurrection. Um, they were floating around ideas like accessory to murder because someone got shot in the building. They were saying that, you know, some police officer had died and we're watching this story unfold and we don't know where it's going to end. So we sat and we wept together. We, we held each other and because we didn't, we didn't know if we'd ever see each other again. If they were going to take me away, I didn't know if I was going to see my kids graduate high school, get married, you know, have kids. We believed this was going to be the end of us. So it took us a couple of weeks to figure out if we even wanted to leave the house. We finally did, and um, I have a local that's close to it. It's Beef O'Brady's. I know I should probably have something better than that, but I love this restaurant. It's fantastic. Great wings. And I went there, you know, when I'm there probably twice a week for lunch before all of this, and I didn't know if I'd be welcome back because of how they were talking about us. And, you know, we went in, I told Susie, look, we have to live our lives. We have to, you know, 
the only way through is, is forward. So we packed up, we went to uh, Beef O'Brady's and I got there and it took about two or three minutes. And a lot of the guys that are there, you know, kind of the bar flies, they're, they're old salts, you know, these are, these are vets, you know, retired firefighters and cops. And they walk up and someone brings me a beer and they say, we're so proud of what you did. Like you're, you're an American hero. And I think that was the first moment that like things really kind of changed my mindset about how I might be viewed. At least by the public. The, the government, on the other hand, they um, they don't see us too well, for sure. They don't, but you know, I, I've kind of batted this around. It's not like I didn't gain any people who dislike me or like me for my political leanings or for my beliefs, right? Because these people were always either not going to like me or like me. The only thing that changed is now they know my name. That's it. That's the only difference. Now they can say, I either like that guy or don't because there's an image of me out there in a story. But it's not like I lost people over this. They were always going to disagree with, with what I believed. And that is actually a, a fortunate thing. Um, many that thought they could trust certain loved ones or uh, parts of their family or even their own spouses uh, have been completely ostracized and shunned um, after, after January 6th, even knowing that they were right-leaning and the other side was left. Um, I, I know that up until the Trump election, nobody really cared what political affiliation you were. It was highlighted um, because of the division that was driven within our nation uh, the last couple years of the Obama regime and uh, leading into the Trump um, era and then forward. So this is something that generations now are going to experience nothing but the division um, until we can change that. And one thing that I promote here quite a bit is that we, the people, need unity. It doesn't matter if you're left or right. We all deserve freedom. We all deserve due process. We all deserve true, blind, and fair justice. And we all deserve the basic human rights that are awarded to us by our creator and codified within the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, the Federalist Papers, etc. And, um, you know, prison reform, justice reform is something that the left has been screaming out about for a long time. And so now I reach out to them and say, hey, we're kind of on your side now here. So let's let's work together and we can help change and fix this, uh, this you know, flaw that's within our nation's uh, construct. I completely agree. I think we have more in common than we don't have in common. I think most of us do want the same things left and right. I think we actually have a lot of the same talking points, just different avenues and, and catalysts to, to make them happen. And I think what scares the government is is not so much, you know, these small, you know, militia groups or these, you know, these fascistic, you know, organizations. These are their labels, not mine. What scares them is that we want to be unified. What scares them is that we are becoming more and more informed as a as a population. And we're figuring out that our neighbor is not our enemy. Our, our neighbor is our ally. It is the government that I, I'm not going to call an enemy, but it is the government that that keeps us separated. Yeah, our government is the obstacle that we need to overcome. And yes. Patriotism does not have a skin color or a hair color. It does it not. Is, right. We all bleed red, white, and blue. Yep. I've started checking a box when they have you check into, you know, medical offices, dentists, things like that. They ask you for your nationality. You know, are you white, Hispanic, Latino, not Hispanic, Latino, black, you know, whatever. I draw my own box and I say American because that's what I identify first and primarily as. That's it. My race, I am human. I am part of the human <laughs> race. Exactly.
You said before that you were initially charged with three charges. Did they end up throwing more charges at you or dropping some? Um, no, we, um, my attorneys, one of them actually worked for the AUSA Department of Justice BOP for about 10 years early in his career. Uh, this is Dan Eckhart, and he came over to, to the defense side after, you know, I won't speak for him, but he made a, he made a righteous decision. He kind of explained to me how the whole process worked and how it was going to work and what I could realistically expect and what best outcomes are. And he told me very early on, the only win you're going to see is getting the felony dropped. You will be charged with something. You know, you go to court, they're going to add five more charges. D.C. federal court is is not like the movies. It's not like TV. They vote um, some 92% Democrat up there. You will not have a jury of your peers. And they said the best thing we can do is hope we get the felony dropped. You get your guns back. You get your rights back. You know, but within that, you're probably going to go to prison for some some stint of time. And hearing all of that up front, you know, it scared the shit out of us. And I was like, well, how, why would they send like a nonviolent misdemeanor to prison? It's trespassing. This is, this is unheard of. And they explained, they said, it's not about your charge. It's about the photo. You made a mockery of them. Like you embarrassed them in their own house. And it's the reason you will be going to prison. It's not your crime. It's the image. It is, it is propaganda for the right to say they want to call this 9-11, they want to call this Pearl Harbor again, and that photo stands in the face of that, of that narrative. We did two proffers with the FBI. They sat down and grilled me for about six hours each time, trying to figure out if I, you know, plan to overthrow the governments and try to figure out, you know, all my militia friends. I don't have any. You know, they went through all the firearms that I have, which is, you know, not a huge collection, just, you know, a handful of them. They went through, you know, my entire history. They wanted bank accounts, you know, my social medias, my phones, emails, all of these things. And at the end of it, they realized this guy knows nothing. He's not a part of anything. He is literally just a guy who showed up to a protest. And because there was so little that I could offer them, they didn't even give me credit for doing the proffers there was no reduction in sentence because of it because i didn't know anyone i couldn't like rat anyone out i don't work for anyone i don't do anything i showed up to a protest so at the end of the proffers they offered us a plea deal and the plea deal was um to drop the felony theft of the lectern which i thought was a ridiculous charge in the first place and they agreed to also um, drop the charge of violent entry which was also a ridiculous charge in the first place so they asked me to plead guilty of entering and remaining in a restricted building. And um, and they weren't going to take it to court. We we prayed about it for a long time, went back and forth. Oh, that's also something else. They also added a stipulation that I cannot make a profit off of my name, likeness, image, books, podcasts, movies, scripts, anything to recoup any costs from the attorneys for... They wanted a lifetime ban on it, but the attorneys got it uh, knocked down to five years. And after a couple of weeks, we went back and forth, and my attorneys told me, you go to court, they're going to add five charges. They're going to. So we took the plea deal, uh, fell on our sword, uh, pled guilty to being inside of a building, you know, did the whole apology circuit, and um, I ended up getting 75 days in prison at the end of it. I got a $5,000 fine, 200 hours of community service, and a year of supervised release after after my prison sentence was served where I can't leave the middle district of Florida. Wow. 
For trespassing. For trespassing, a misdemeanor nonviolent trespassing charge. Yes. And that is the uh, the state of the bullshittery that we have going on in this country. Just even a minor charge like that, they still try to do what they can to just completely upend your life. Um, and, and I believe what your attorney said 100%, it's all about the image. Um, you are very photogenic, by the way. Your uh, your smile <laughs> is lighting up that hallway within the Capitol. You know, it's um, that was a that was a priceless photo. Um, I, you know, they say they that you stole the lectern, and I wanted to say this earlier, but I didn't want to interrupt you. But as soon as you said that, and you're like, I only moved it 20 yards. I can imagine like the maintenance guy going, "Now wait, where did I put that? Oh man, <laughs> stole it. they took it." You know. Like my kids, they they can't find their shoe and they accuse somebody of stealing it when it's literally like right behind them. Um, well, this is what's hilarious. So on the Friday when they were bringing down the charges, the AUSA was asking if I still had the lectern, right? <laughs> and they had just wheeled it out that morning. There was a big ceremony over it. And they wheeled it out so Nancy could give her, her speech behind it. We're going to defend democracy and all of these things, how did the AOSA not know it was still in the building? And on top of that, how the hell could I have gotten it out of the building? Did you see the crowds? Like, you know I was staying in Georgetown an hour away. Did you really think I would carry that thing an hour away, like through the streets? This is such a ridiculous speculation. And the media ran with it. Everyone said I stole the damn thing. It's like, how? Think about it for longer than five seconds. How would I get away with that in DC? like the most heavily video surveillance place in the country. How would I leave the building with it? Right, yeah. And um, you know, you said Nancy used it, so I'm curious. Did the lectern have a cup holder? It did not. <laughs> oh man. She probably has one of her staffers just holding her vodka for them. Yep. And look, I'm not someone to throw other J6 under the bus. This is not what I'm doing here, but someone actually stole the microphones off the lectern. Actually, oh stole the microphones off. I just found out about this. I'm writing a book, so I'm doing a lot of research. Someone actually took the microphones off and left the building with them. Do you know what he got? A fine. <laughs> he was asked to he was asked to return the microphones in a fine. I went to prison for moving it. That dude actually stole something. So, you know, just one of those things. It's about the photo, not the action. Yeah, that's what we call fair justice nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, you can uh, firebomb a police station and, and shoot people in the streets and you get off of the $50 fine. Your federal judge says, oh, they were just letting off steam. But grandma went to the Capitol, took a selfie. She's a domestic terrorist facing years. Oh, yeah. So, and we're all flagged by TSA now. I get patted down every single time. There's always like a double look when they scan my ID. And this this actually broke a few weeks ago that anyone who was who flew into that is now flagged by TSA. That's it. The infamous four S's on your boarding pass. <laughs> well, you have a, a great spirit about you, and I'm you know I'm glad to hear that you're handling this so positively. Um, I think I remember at the beginning of the interview you said you only had 45, 46 days left of your uh, supervision, so your prison time has been completed, and you're almost free and clear of this uh, debauchery that they, they call January sixth. Uh, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Well. Congratulations, sir. Um, many people's journeys are just starting because, as you know, they've arrested over a thousand and they keep coming after more and more. Uh, myself, I actually go to trial May 15th, so it should get kind of spicy in there. I'm facing, <laughs> I'm pretty much a life sentence. And, you know, I never even went into the building. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, we are, we are praying for you. My family, um, 
I, uh, Mel actually told me about you and my family has been praying for you on a nightly basis. And we got you in some prayer circles and some local churches as well. That's, that's extremely generous and kind. And, um, I welcome any prayers because, uh, it's only going to be God that can help fix this. Um, I don't put my faith in any man. Um, when I walk into that courtroom, I realize that I'm going <clears> to, <throat> that I'm going to be like Daniel walking into the lion's den. And I don't want to focus on the lions. I just want to focus on who is walking in there before me. And that's, that's God. So that is, uh, that's deeply appreciated, sir. If you could give a message to other fellow J6ers, uh, what would it be? Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. The spirit that brought you there that day is the same spirit that's guiding you now. So don't reject it. You need to be in a place of, of solidarity with each other. You need to be in a place where if you believed your actions were justified that day, they're still justified now. So don't lose hope. Don't quit speaking. There are people out here that that you will never meet that support you, that have that have faith in you, and you give them courage. You give them you give them hope. So don't stop speaking. It will be over one day. You will get through this and you will be able to smile again. You will be reunited with your families. Pray, stay hopeful. All right. And uh, if you could give a message to the rest of America um, on how they can help to restore our country, um, what would that be? Don't quit speaking. You need to be you need to be out in the public. You need to be in your workplaces. You need to be with your families. You need to remember that we don't win by retreat. The institutions need to be taken back over. This is not a one-year fight. This is not a four-year fight. This is a 30-year fight to regain our country. And this is not going to happen overnight. So keep speaking. Raise the next generation to be a generation that loves our country, that doesn't hate it, that wants to restore it to its greatness. You are completely responsible for what your grandchildren will live through. And, you know, that, that rings true on many levels. Um, we have a couple J6ers that actually are immigrants from uh, communist nations, as well as uh, several friends that we've made, um, that I've made recently that are from Brazil that have had their own version of January 6th, except it was on January 8th of 2022. And uh, whenever we spoke with them, we kept asking like, because they're already under communism. They, they majority of society are conservatives and they don't want what their government is providing. They don't want communism, but they have no choice. And so we, you know, we asked them like, what can we do? Cause we're not past that Rubicon. And that's exactly what they were saying is don't be silent. Do not let them take your voice because the moment that you sit silent is the moment that you accept defeat. And that's why we do these things. This is why, even though I'm facing, I mean, tons of years in prison, I'm out here being loud and bold and jeopardizing my own case. Now, I know this, you know, everything that I say or put online, um, every podcast that I do, every Sing for Freedom video I do at the uh, at, at 9 p.m. every night is going to be held against me in court. But I cannot sit by idly and be quiet as we watch our, our foundational principles of our nation get eroded and taken away because whatever freedoms we lose today are the freedoms that our kids and grandkids and et cetera will never even know existed. And so you uh, you are definitely um, hitting it right on the nose there, sir. Absolutely. I, I appreciate all you're doing, man. Again, you are in our prayers and you're going to make it, man. Oh, I know. I'm, you know. My mama told me I could be anything I wanted to be when I grew up. So I decided to be stubborn. And uh, 
the God I serve is a mighty God. He goes before me in battle. He prepares a table for me in the face of my enemies. He's my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Um, I actually am an independent minister as well um, back at home. So you said you, you uh, did a little bit of work within the, uh, the ministry. And that is, is a beautiful thing because God called us to go there, to speak up and use our voice, to speak up for truth, right? And he's not gonna put us in it with, and then just let us leave us to dry, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he allowed them to be thrown into the fire, but he went into the fire with them. And then they walked away unscathed, unsinged, unharmed, did, did not even smell like the smoke of the flames. And that drove the evil King Nebuchadnezzar crazy. And he ran off into the woods and eventually became a believer himself. And I see that story in the Bible of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as being reminiscent of what we're in now, that many of us are being thrown into the fire. And if we can have that resolve to lean on our faith, that we will come out of this unharmed and on the right side of history. And the evil king will be driven crazy and our nation will be restored to be a believer once again. And uh, I believe in freedom. I believe in our red, white, and blue. I believe in the people because we are Americans. And that says something. Our constitution, our, our founding documents give us the power. Every other country, their constitution just gives privileges to their citizens. Ours is completely different in the aspect that it empowers the people to get, tell our governing bodies how to govern us and only with our consent. And um, patriots like yourself that are grounded in faith and grounded in truth and that have been tested by fire, um, you are more precious than gold, sir. We need more Americans like you. I'm raising five right now. Hallelujah to that. Because yes, that, that is a task in itself. You deserve a medal, <laughs> sir. <laughs> are there anything else that you would like to, to share with my audience? I, I think this is it. I think um, I think you are right over target that we the only way through this is for our country to to come back to god we we need revival we need revival it is the only thing that will restore us absolutely it's one of my favorite uh verses in the bible is, if you will humble yourselves repent from your sins and look to god that he will restore your land and um that is the one thing that i have been praying i think a lot of conservatives and christians are playing the first half of um of jonah's life we want to sit back and say, you know, why would God save these people? Why would the, you know, the lawless, the heartless, the, the sinful, why would, why would God save this city? And it's, it's the same thing I said before. These are Americans. These are still our neighbors. And we need to get, we need to get to a place to where we don't sit back and, and, and wish harm on our neighbors, right? By it's, it's, Jesus said, it's, you know, when we were kind to them, when we, turn the other cheek when we forgive them when we love them it's like pouring hot coals on their head this is this is the spirit we need to have it needs to be led with with not just truth but also love amen and i mentioned uh sing for freedom earlier that is the main basis of sing for freedom guys in the jails they sing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m. even though it is this nation that is persecuting them they still sing the star spangled banner in love and unity and patriotic fervor with one another behind steel doors and in july of 2021 i took what they were doing and pushed it out to the public and said let's get involved and have been asking americans to send in video online of them singing the national anthem every night at 9 p.m with that hashtag of sing the number four freedom because it does several things i consider it the perfect protest 
It is based in love and unity and uh, you know national appreciation. It helps revitalize patriotism. It brings awareness to the injustices that are happening to the J6 defendants, their families, the inmates, um, and it which gets more minds, hearts, and uh, and people involved in in this fight. And then, most importantly, in, in my opinion, it's my favorite part is that it shows those victims of January 6th, the families, the defendants, the inmates, that they are not alone. They might be isolated. They might feel like they're out on some dark, secluded island, screaming for help, and no one can hear them. But there's actually an entire nation of Americans standing behind them and and cherishing the moments that they have to show the respect for country and respect for those that had the fire within them to just go and peacefully speak out. And that is uh, what I ask my audience to do is to get out there and use your voice, right? Post it online and use the hashtag Sing for Freedom so that other Americans can share your love of country and they can show the families that they are in good company. And um, I certainly can appreciate anybody that has the guts to post video of them singing online because sometimes the comment section can get a little spicy, but it's not American <laughs> Idol. It's not American Idol. It is American patriotism. It's I do beautiful. it. I think. I sing like a dying cat, but I do it every night proudly because I love this nation and I want them to know that they are not alone. It's beautiful. Great. You're doing the Lord's work, man. Thanks. I uh, I can feel him smacking me in the back of the head sometimes. <laughs> that just means you're going in the right direction sometimes. <laughs> That's it. But hey, I cannot... Cannot thank you enough, Adam. It's been a, a true pleasure. And you tell Miss Susie that uh, that we cherish and appreciate everything that uh, you guys have been bringing to the table and teaching your kids the right way and the walk of God that you all have served and lived and the sacrifices that you all have made um, in this debauchery of, of January 6th is uh, going to be down in the history books. And your, your photo, I can already tell, will be front cover. Um, with that big smile on your face as you carry the, the lectern across the room. So <laughs> thank you for coming on. And uh, we look forward to uh, possibly speaking to you again in the future if I'm not behind bars. And uh, real quick for my audience, let them know where they can find you on social media. I am um, exclusively on Twitter because I am shadow banned everywhere else. You can find me at Lectern Leader. Uh, the Lectern guy is my my handle on there um i post just a lot of funny stuff a lot of things in satire and try to share a little bit of uh lightness you know because everything just seems to be so dark these days that's it oh i've been following your page for a minute and uh you're always always there for an, an easy laugh and a good keck so it's 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 appreciated <laughs> man for sure you make you make light of things but then you also put out some solid information to make people's your your eyebrows raise up and your ears perk up to say okay this, this guy's speaking some truth so Go give them a follow, folks. It's at Lectern Leader on Twitter. And uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Make sure to help out our sponsors to help keep this dream alive. MammothNation.com, the only and best competition that is patriot-based, veteran-owned companies, shop local, help out your community, and make sure that it, all of your hard-earned cash is going to the right place. MammothNation.com, help defeat Amazon and the CCP 
because MammothNation.com has everything that you could possibly want, but it makes sure that it is America first. Check out the description box for the link. You're going to use the promo code of FREEDOMJ6 for a 30% discount. That way, tell them I sent you, and they'll hook you up with a nice little deal. Our next sponsor is MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. You're going to use promo code FREEDOM. Promo code FREEDOM at MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. Get a one-pound raw bottle of honey that looks like Donald Trump, but it tastes like America. No communist bees, guaranteed. It is the best America-first honey around, and it is to help the causes that are out here helping America become great again. And the next, if you want to get some merch for your Sing for Freedom Sing for Freedom t-shirts, hoodies, hats, drinkware, decals, you name it. Make patriotism sexy again and go to p2pprinting.com. That's p2pprinting.com. And you're going to see my tab on there is on P-I-A-N-O-N. Pi like the number, on like anonymous. Just as nerdy, but the merch is sexy. And that is what this is all about, is to help keep Sing for Freedom dream alive and be stylish while doing it. P2Pprinting.com forward slash Pionon. Show America that you stand up for freedom. All right, friends, family, patriots, we are at it again, being a thorn in the side of the establishment. And I got somebody here that can spit some rhythm while speaking truth to power. A good friend of mine who just has absolutely been turning the world over on its head, uh, Ron J. Spike. You guys might recognize him from his music. And if not, you better learn because he's the hottest thing on the block. My man, Ron, thank you for coming on to the show. Man, thank you for having me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, the honor's all ours, man. You, uh, you've you been out here screaming from the rooftops and using your musical talents to help bring attention to January 6th. But uh, before we get into all the, the nitty gritty and the details of everything that's going on currently, kind of let my audience know, the ones that aren't, you know, part of the Cool Kids Club, let them know um, who is Ron J. Spike, like, what makes you you and how did you get involved in the music business? Um, so I guess I could start off by saying that I'm, I'm from the DMV area. For those who don't know, that's D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Um, it's a long story on why we say the DMV, but it's called the DMV. But uh, so from the D.C. area, basically, uh, I've been doing music my whole life, but I would say around 2019, I stopped doing music because I was making degenerate music, like the most degenerate music. But I stopped doing that because, you know, I grew up and I started getting into politics more. I started getting into, you know, like religion more. Um, and I just didn't want to make that kind of music. And then in 2000, I say 2021, I got introduced to Forgiato Blow. Well, I've been known about him, but when I moved to Florida, in 2021 that's when i met Auto, and um he just turned me he turned me into this superstar that that everybody sees today and i just took that and ran with it that's it and you and i actually had the chance to meet uh i also met Auto blow then as well back in uh cpac earlier this year which was an absolute honor man and you guys have been um out there kicking butt and taking names 
I see you're pretty active in the vigil that they got going outside the jail. Mickey Whithoff been out there for months on end, uh, standing in solidarity with our our J Sixers. So, what what got you involved in politics? Um, so I I would take it back to 2020 when George Floyd died. I was a um, you know, I was just a regular person, just watching TV. Just I was your regular sheep. That's you know what I like to call it, and um. When George Floyd died, I started waking up. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this world is turning upside down. Like I think when they say George Floyd changed the world, that wasn't the right way to though that wasn't the right words to use, but in a sense he kind of did in the fact of he woke a lot of people up to to what's going on with the media and what's going on in our in our government. And I was one of those people that got woken up. And for like a couple weeks, I was a BLM activist. But again, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about until I actually did my own research. And um, my story is crazy. Like when I was going out there protesting for BLM, I was doing it out of love. You know, I wasn't I was thinking, let's not go out there and hate white people. Let's not go out there and hate the police. Let's actually show them that we're the loving side. Right. And in the process of me doing that while everybody's marching, a lot of people was telling me like, oh, no, you shouldn't be like that. And you're hugging police officers and, you know, you're bowing down to white people. And I'm like, come on, like that's you're clearly missing the point. So then I started getting like people like around me were pretty much trying to like they they were pushing me away like you know why are you why do you want to be white why do you want to be all this stuff and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna do my own research on Trump and why he's so racist and why the Republican Party is racist and when I did my research on that I ended up finding out that I had a lot of similarities growing up to what being a conservative is you know and like it's all about you know God and family and education and all that stuff and how I was raised that's exactly how I was raised and everybody likes to paint this picture that like black people are uneducated and they're poor and all that stuff and that's not the case either so I wanted to represent that side of you know black people not even just black people just all people that are out here doing the right thing and you know a lot of people don't like the Republican Party but you know that's kind of like what they represent you know in a nutshell so that's how I got into politics, man. I, I just, you know, just did my own research. And now I want to fight. Now I want people to know the truth on what's really going on. Because there's a lot of people that are asleep. That's it. And you you put a lot of effort into to helping to wake up the communities. And like you said, you've been in music your whole life. You did a different type of music, um, you know, with the different values, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you primarily do rap and, uh, and hip hop. So... Uh, getting in with Forge Auto Blow was a, a kind of a way to, to get your foot in the door with a, um, a lot of connections and in in, into that industry. What's some of the, the events? What's some of the, uh, the the music that you've done before? Um, I've performed that. Uh, I've performed at so So me and my, my publicist, we counted all the shows that I did in like the in like the last year and a half. And I did about like 22 shows all over the country. I've performed, uh, I performed at after parties of CPAC. I performed at after parties of Turning Point. Um, you know, I've been all over. I've done shows in Tennessee. I've done shows in, you name it, nine times out of ten, I, I did a show there. And, you know, that's what I've been doing for real, for real. And I've been doing a lot of activism work 
in the streets of DC. Like um, I work with a lady named Lori Frischenberg. She ran for mayor. Um, I say like I think I think it was last year. She didn't win, but she, that doesn't mean she stopped fighting. So I'm helping her. You know what I'm saying? We've been doing a lot of stuff with the homeless people in the community. You know, um, we've been working with some churches. Um, I, I counter protest BLM and Antifa out here. <laughs> Those are fun sometimes when they're having their little women marches or their police marches. Sometimes I go out there and just let them know that, you know, there's another side to this. You know, they don't like it, but they'll get over it. And um, like you mentioned earlier, I've been working with um, Freedom Corner. That's like that's like my family for for you know Mickey and all of them. They're great, great people, and they get harassed every night by the opposing side. So I like to go out there and kind of like you know give them that light that they're looking for because it's hard when you got people calling you all types of names for no reason. So I go out there and make sure I keep a smile on their face as much as I can. So and uh, you know working with you, hanging out with you, you know you my dog. No, I'm definitely honored to call you friend, man. And, you know, when I got a chance to meet you in person, like I've seen you at the vigil, I've seen you at that Freedom Corner, but I'm, I'm banned from D.C., so I'm not allowed to go down there, which I would absolutely love to be able to do. But um, actually being able to meet you in person and be able to kick back and just kind of chill a bit and just, you know, wrap back and forth about everything that's going on with, with, with my fight here in the courtrooms and your fight out there in the hearts and minds of, of people. Um, you know, music has a way to invoke the emotions of others, which really can resonate with one another. You know, people aren't going to walk down the street uh, reciting their favorite speech from a politician. They'll be bebopping down the street singing the words to their favorite song. You know, yeah. what you do sticks with them. What I do might make people think, might make people have something to talk about around the dinner table. Um, but what you do will stick, you know, and they'll be walking down the street by themselves, be listening to it with their friends. You know, I've, in the last few weeks, I've been actually playing a, a lot of your music for my friends and family to kind of let them know, like, look, man, this guy's out here really, really spitting some some uh, serious bars. And the, the message that you put across in your music is uh, is very different than the typical rapper, the stereotypical rapper that you would hear. So kind of give us a, an idea of like, what is the message of your songs? What what is it that you try to convey? So. That, first of all, I want to say thank you for, you know, letting people know about my music. Because I do be feeling like I don't be getting heard, but I also need to learn to trust the process. But um, what I do want to say, so on my message, all right, so hip-hop saved my life. You know, growing up, if I didn't have rap in my life, I don't know who I'd be today. And um, I know a lot of people, they, they like rap but they don't like the cursing and the, the talking about drugs and women and stuff. So that turns them away from rap. Now, growing up where I grew up, that's our culture. Like, you know, it, it may not be something to be proud of, but that's our culture. So, so I see both sides of the argument. So I want to be that middleman. I want to give you the same sound, the same sonic sound that you're hearing and like trap music and hardcore hip-hop music but i want to do it with a positive message and without the cursing and my life is politics so i'm going to talk about politics because there's a lot of people who listen to hip-hop and they don't care about trump or biden they don't care about nancy pelosi or martin they don't care about none of that 
So if I can still let them know, but in a way that they'll they'll want to you know listen to it, that's that's my that's my way. So if you like to dance, if you like to turn up, if you like to have fun, then that's my music. And there's a there's a bunch of other artists in MAGA that do the same thing, but I feel like my style is I don't want to say the most unique because that takes away from them. I feel like my style is it's just different, you know my. They're more like classical hip hop or like radio ready hip hop. Mine's just like, you know, you can only find this in the streets. And I'm blessing y'all with it, you know? So it's like, that's that's my way, you know? And a, a lot of people get turned off sometimes when they hear my music because they're not really listening. They're more just, they're like, oh, this sound, I, I, heard, I heard somebody say that my music sounds like lean music. I, I don't know that was that was funny but it's because they weren't listening to what i was actually saying they were only hearing the sound of it if that makes sense so but that's my goal is to just is to bridge that gap you know well your music is definitely set apart from the rest um you have a very unique sound and you put your heart and soul into it and what you're talking about like the your lyrics <clears throat> which by the way you intertwine uh your lyricism very well you know, I've, I've been listening and uh, even more so lately because of what you and I have been working together on, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but like to how you put your your lyrics together with the beat and the message that it brings across, the, the symbolism, the, the emotion that it evokes in the listener itself um, is definitely different than most that you would hear, <clears throat> but also in that same sense, um, you bring a unique piece of gold into your industry and into your art and by all means man i am no expert in rap right I, i've listened to like hardcore rock my whole life and and blues you know is that that's my go-to i'm a harmonica player um just for fun you know like to entertain my kids and sit around a campfire drink a nice cold glass of tea and just play on the harp all night <clears throat> i might could do that for hours so but again i'm no expert in this stuff but listening to your your music um, over the last year and a half, I've definitely gained a newer appreciation and a lot of respect for everything that you're doing to bring to the table, which helps me actually gain a little res more respect for a lot of the other artists that are out there. Um, listening to the percussive rhythm of, of what you guys say and how it can impact you both physically as well as, as uh, making you think and, and hitting that chord within a person to, you know, literally, I can't help but just kind of bounce and listen to what you're saying, you know what I mean? It's... um. It's crazy because like you'll you'll see like your your average white lady, you know, who you could tell that she just can't stand hip hop music. And I'll do a show and you'll see her in the back just like rocking to it. And like those are the moments that I'm looking for. Like and basically what you just said, like, you know, you're you're all about rock and hardcore rock and me and you have listened to my music together and I I look over and you're sitting there nodding your head all like, yeah, you, this is what I'm looking for. Like I got middle-aged people who have kids, like their kids are in college and all that stuff. And they're telling me that they love my music. I remember I did a Christmas show in Boston uh, for Go USA. And um, Go USA has an older crowd. And when I say older crowd, like, I mean like grandmas and grandpas and they were on their feet <laughs> rocking to my music and i'm like yo like this you can't make this up like you, 
You know what I'm saying? Like this, this is what music is for. Like music is to bring people together. And I'm doing hip hop music on some trap beats or some, some you know, some soulful beats. You know, like, and these people are out of their seat, rocking to my music. Like, like this, that. That's why I do this. You know what I'm saying? And then the younger crowd, you know, they eat it up. The younger crowd eat it up because they they already know what's up. They're like, what? There's a guy who who raps like little Uzi Vert, but he, you know, he's politics. He's a Republican. Like they they go crazy for it. So that's those are the moments that I'm looking for. As long as I made your day, as long as you can, if you're stressed out and you just need some, you just want to smile and you plug my music in, to me, that's worth a billion dollars. If you ask my kids, they'll tell you I am old plus one. That's that's whenever they say, how old are you? I'm old plus one, but you definitely got me up out of my chair and, and bebopping to the beat and the rhythm that you be spitting out, man. And I'm, I absolutely enjoy it. And I'm not saying this just because you're on my podcast, like legit. I wouldn't have even had you on if I thought your music was trash. So that should say something. If you can get this slack-jawed yokel from the hills of West Virginia up out the rocking chair and dancing across <laughs> the room, then that, that says something for sure. When you and I became friends and we got to meet uh, together at CPAC, first, I want to say thank you because I came up and asked if you would give a message to the guys inside the jail uh, in D.C. and other federal prisons across the country. And, you know, you put out a message of, of love, unity, hope, and encouragement. And that, you know, saying that, that you were praying for them and standing behind them and that we're all out here speaking up for them and that that truly means a lot and uh i can't thank you enough i know the the family members that heard it uh they conveyed the messages to some of the guys inside the jail that wouldn't actually be able to hear it but let them know and so that i just got to give you a quick hat tip for i did come up and i asked you because this podcast here and um everything that i'm doing asked if you and i could work together to put together a song um about j6 kind of highlighting some of the, the things in my story and what I'm doing in my fight, but focusing mainly on just the January 6th defendants, inmates, and their families as a whole. And it's called Chains Off Me. Can you kind of give us some insight as to um, what you use to put those lyrics together and uh, kind of how that how that felt whenever I approached you of, hey, can I get you to write me something? Um, it was an honor. You know what I'm saying? And it was an honor and it was perfect timing because I already was looking to make a song for the whole January 6th situation. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've, I have I have a lot of songs actually where we shout out January 6th and we shout out the whole Capitol situation. But I didn't really make a song where I got in depth of it. So when you approach me to do the Chains Off Me song, I took that upon myself to to write that song. I've you know I've read your articles and you know me and you have talked, so I got I got to basically put myself in your shoes to a certain extent, and I was like you know if I was if I was Joe you know what I'm saying how would it, you were a rapper basically <laughs> for for one day so you know even like lines where I was like uh, if America was a building and there was I run inside and pull out my neighbors, don't it sound crazy? America was a building and it was burning and blazing, I tried to save it. I'd run inside and pull out my neighbors, don't it sound crazy? That right there was something that you actually did. 
when you uh you know i don't know if the people know they probably know it's your podcast but you went inside of to save your neighbor from a burning building and i was thinking i don't think when joe went to go try to save his neighbor he didn't think oh are they democrat are they republican are they black lives matter you just went in there to save your you know somebody in your community so i took that and i metaphorically made it into that's basically why you went out there you know what i'm saying i know and then as i got to know you i realized you didn't go out there to to kill nobody or hurt nobody you went out there to to fight for america you felt like hey there's some injustice going on inside of that building right there that's why you went and that's why a lot of people went so you know writing that song you know and it's like yo your honor can you take these chains off me like you you locking me up when i was fighting for you and another thing that you said too that stuck out to me the most you said um that you know regardless you signed the oath when you you know when you served you signed the oath saying that you was going to fight for this country regardless so in the song i said take my life or take my rights under oath i got to fight so it don't matter that's you right there and i feel like most of the people out there i think it was like 70% that you said they were out there for that same reason so that's what that's how this song came about you know and but you know but i want everybody who is involved with january 6 i want everybody to listen to that song and know that that song is it's a part of them too. If you were out there January 6, this song was for you. Actually, I don't think my audience knows about the burning building. Um oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just I didn't really tell too many people cuz you know that's uh I don't know. That's just a, a heavy subject, but um just a kind of a recap for my audience. Um they know I'm an independent minister. I was I was preaching at my local church. and somebody had run in and said that there was a neighboring house on fire and uh I had some firefighter training when I was in the navy and I have um, I'm also a certified red cross instructor so I have uh the medical and first aid knowledge um I mean my my mother was a nurse growing up so I I have a lot of medical knowledge to learn from her as well as training in the service so I ran over to the house well first when I got there there were people outside and I asked you know, is there anybody inside that everybody get out okay and they informed me that their 86-year-old grandmother was trapped inside the building. I did what I think anybody would do, but I mean, who knows. Um but I I did. I I tried to go in and find her and uh I was unable to. The yeah. the flames were too high. The the smoke was too thick. I couldn't see. I was calling out, you know, if there's anybody in here, um please make some noise if you can hear me make some noise because I couldn't see no matter how low I crouched when the, the smoke was just so thick and uh I had to leave for my own safety. I heard the roof caving in. I knew there was a propane tank on the one side of the house that could go at any minute and uh oh, wow. I just, you know, I had to make a choice so I I left and I was unable to to help her and she ended up dying. Um so we provided some aid to the family and uh you know, I said a prayer with them there um as the fire department was starting to do what they do. And then we left and then a few days later I got a phone call from the one of the family members and they asked if I would be the one to perform their grandmother's funeral service which I was truly truly honored to do. Wow. Um, but that's kind of the 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 story of that. Um 
and ain't gonna lie, it sat real heavy on me because I wasn't able to save her. And so uh, I was kind of shaking up for a few days, but I mean, it is what it is. The The family is um, was my focus at that point to try to provide anything that they I could for them and comfort, peace, um, et cetera. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm really honored that you threw that part in there because, well, now everybody knows the backstory, but before nobody really knew the backstory to it. And so it was kind of a, I don't know, a little inside inside Easter egg to the to the song, but that uh that that speaks to your character too. You know what I'm saying? The fact that that that's not something that you tell people, like you kind of just did it from your heart and you you know, you just went back about, about your day like that that speaks about how what type of person you are. So, man, thank you. I'm I'm thanking you for the family, you know what I'm saying? Like thank you you know you you try you put you really put your life on the line yeah that's a that's a tough bag to carry man because you know the, their family they lost they lost absolutely everything and so i i just couldn't imagine um that's a huge fear of mine you know for for a house fire and these old country homes they go up pretty quick and um whenever we go to church we drive by that that house and i see it every time it just uh yeah i mean it, it i don't know i don't know how to explain it it just it just sits real heavy with me I'll, uh, I've stopped over there and just kind of stood and looked at the rubble. Um, you know, I regret not being able to save her, but in that same sense, there's a, a will in God's plan. He's the one that, uh, you know, decides how things play out. And so it was, that was her time. And in my experience with uh, fire training, I know that she had probably already passed by the time I even got there because of the smoke. Uh, smoke inhalation tends to be what takes a person's life before the flames. So little bit of peace in that um <clears throat> but anyway back on track the uh the song itself um is very uplifting it's got a great beat to it and you know it, it has that purpose of trying to bring awareness to what's going on for january 6th bring awareness to the things that that the, these families are suffering through and then the reasons our intentions for actually being there was to support and defend the constitution one line in the song I really liked is that you hadn't mentioned yet was that we didn't storm the Capitol, we only paid it a visit. Real intentions, we ain't storm no Capitol, we were simply paying a visit. Like that, you know, that's really it. Like we just went and visited the Capitol, but they try to paint us as like some violent insurrection that was storming the building to overthrow the government and all this other craziness. When really, if you think about it, Trump was still in power and he was still going to be president until 14 days later on January 20th, you know, so we wouldn't want to overthrow the government because that's the, the administration that we supported, even if somebody was kind of crazy and wanted to try to do some malfeasance, it would make no sense to try to do that because Trump was still in our president. A lot of people just, you know, they just listen to the media and they just... I don't know, but I'm blessed to, you know, I wasn't at the Capitol, but I'm blessed that I was involved in, like, the movement, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I, I would be just brainwashed like everybody else. You even have, like, Republicans and conservatives trying to knock, trying to knock, you know, J6ers. And J6ers, I think that you all are our soldiers, you know, like you all are the real soldiers of this movement, you know, so you are the ones that are locked up right now or facing you all are the ones that were are the fighters of this.
you know, I, I don't want to say this, but I'm just be real. Like, I kind of feel like if I was out there that day, I'd, I'd be already in jail. Because <laughs> I definitely, definitely, probably most likely would have went into the Capitol. So, you know, but I'm, I'm thankful God had a different plan for me. So since I'm out and, you know, I'm free, I'm definitely going to be the voice for you guys. So you guys aren't forgotten. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you were telling me before that, um, you know, you were there. The, the couple of days leading up to January 6th and you had intention to actually go but but something stopped you you want to kind of tell that story from my audience yeah I don't mind so I was there on the 5th and the 6th I mean not the 6th the, the 5th and the 4th and the 3rd um, you know all the, the whole stop the steal thing I was out there and it was so much fun and then um, that morning of the 6th you know I've been to so many Trump rallies so when they said that Trump was going to speak, I was like, I'm going to use this opportunity to go home, run home. And, you know, I'll probably be back out in a couple hours, you know, get myself dressed up and clean. And then I'll come back out and we'll continue partying. Right. Doing all the fun stuff. And um, one of my aunts called me, you know, and she was like, you know, you know, she she's not a supporter of Trump or anything like that. But she's a supporter of me. And she goes, you know, Ronnie, I don't care what you do but just do me a favor and just don't go to the Capitol. And I was like, even even in my head, I was like, she could tell me whatever she wanted to tell me, but I'm still going to go. And uh, when I got home, I turned on the news and, you know, the, the I was just seeing all the coverage of it. And um, at that moment, I realized that it probably would be smart for me to stay home, you know, like. I think I should probably listen to my aunt right now. So she, she, she did save me. She saved me. You know, that's that's why I wasn't at the Capitol. So, well, there you go. I mean, God smiled on you, and uh, now you're able to be out here and you know freely use your voice, use your talents, use your skills, and to bring people together and to bring awareness to what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, if you want to have my audience get a message from the work that you do uh what would that be sir um my message would be that you know those guys that went to that capital don't turn your back on them you know because those are our brothers those are our sisters those are our friends those are our families when things were going good like i was just explaining when things were going good when we was all out there having fun i know a couple people was out there having fun i was with you you know then don't use this opportunity to then be like well they shouldn't have been there anyway no no because you just were lucky enough to not go there but those guys that are going in there do not turn our backs on them those people are our people and regardless of how you feel if they were right or they was wrong that's up to the judge but to us we need to stand by them no matter what you need to donate you need to write letters you need to call you need to go to the court show them that you're with them because once these guys go into jail you know if they do you know that's not you know you know like that you you, they're going to be in their cell thinking like why did i do this you know so we need to support them no matter what so y'all definitely got my support all the way to the end so that's it let them know that they're not lost forgotten and they might be isolated and behind bars but there's an entire nation of americans that are proud to 
call them fellow Americans and friends and brothers and sisters and are standing with them. And, uh, you know, you say it's up to the judge. Unfortunately, a lot of there, there is a lot of bias within the judiciary. And uh, some of these judges think that even if grandma just went to the Capitol and took a selfie, that she's still a terrorist and deserves like five years in prison. So hopefully we can open their minds as well to the truth with um, putting out the information through video and body cameras, et cetera, um, documentation to show that there there was a setup that day. You know, we have body camera footage of, of a police officer that said he's in the crowd dressed up as Antifa to try to cause problems. We have body cameras of undercover officers that were telling the crowd to move forward and instigating violence and telling people to go inside, et cetera. So hopefully this information will come out. Hopefully it'll start coming out a bit quicker. Um, yeah. I want to play a quick clip of the song so that my audience can uh, hear what it is. And uh, this is Chains Off Me. We march into the Capitol while singing Star Spangled Banner. Take my rest or take my life. Under oath, I gotta fight so it don't matter. Take these chains off me. Can you come and take these chains off? Free all my justice. Your honor, can you take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? I did it for the land of the brave, home of the free. Find someone who's more patriotic than me. Your honor, listen to me. Can you come and take these chains off me? Can you come and take these chains off me? Okay, excuse me. Fighting for our flag last time I checked was all our duty. It's hardening and truly how the government try to do me. I'm a warrior, faith for the Traitor, it's how they view me. Wanna throw away my key for upholding the Constitution. My rights gon' go to those who don't speak English fluent. Wanna teach me right from wrong, but take GOD from my students. Can we all agree that it's lies that the news is spewing? Wanna paint it black on white to distract us from what they doing? Hey, that's why we march into the Capitol while singing Star Spangled Banner. Take my rights or take my life. Under oath, I gotta fight so it don't matter. Oh, say, can you see by them dawn's early lights? Dawn's early lights, what so proudly we have As the twilight's last gleaming All right, man, that's what I'm talking about. And I can't thank you enough for putting that together because I'm going to be using it for this podcast and my different promotionals because your music is uh, opens minds, hearts, and the eyes of those around us to what's truly going on. Um, and plus, you blessed me with the ability to to be able to use a piece of your talent uh, for my fight. And I can't thank you enough for that. I'll let my audience know, where can they find uh, more of your music? Where can they buy this, uh, the new song, Chains Off Me? Like, where, where can they find your stuff to to make the beats flow to the rest of society? Um, So my music is on all platforms. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be Apple Music, Spotify, you know, Amazon, YouTube, um, Wherever you listen to music, my music is there too. You just got to type in Ron J. Spike. It's literally that easy. And um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there. There's some of my old music too from when I was making degenerate music. You can listen to some of that too just to see the growth. You know, I apologize ahead of time for the language. (laughs) I was not saved at that time. But then you can listen to, you know, where my music is now and, you know, see how far I've grown. 
that that's absolutely amazing. Um, I love hearing the testimony of of someone that finds their faith and to be able to grow and become a new creature, a new creation, and to to do something to not only better themselves, but now you're using your the God given gifts to help improve the lives of others and give others inspiration to move towards that better part of themselves as well. So kudos to you. Now, I want to touch back on something that you said at the beginning of the uh, the podcast here. You said that you were a BLM activist and you were going around like hugging cops and telling them that, you know, hey, we love you guys. You're trying to be the lighter side of things to show everybody that you quote uh, the BLM activists opposed that you guys were the good guys. So um, I know personally, cause you shared the story with me, but I want my audience to know, how did that work out for you? Um, it was, it was, it was a lot, you know, um, it even got to the point that I got jumped by BLM. You know, I would say BLM and Antifa, you know, all together, but I actually got jumped by them. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was in D.C. for one of the rallies. And, um, you know, I was with some of my friends. We was out there. I had my, my Trump Pence hat on. That was one of my favorite hats at that time. And, um, you know, it's a long story, but we ended up splitting up. And it was a time where I was by myself. And I kind of walked into the BLM territories, which was my mistake, you know, but... But once I, I'm a fighter, I grew up fighting all my life. You know, I, I was always a heavy set guy, so I couldn't, I could never run from a fight. So I just fight. And uh, when I went there, I kind of was like, oh shoot, like I'm here, you know? And I was like, I can't run because if I run, they're gonna, they're gonna chase me. My back is exposed to them. So I just started fighting and they, they did a number on me, but, um, I, I want to say something though. I want to say something. That was one of the moments that helped me turn to God as well. Because when I got jumped by them, it felt like so I ended up getting on the ground and they were kicking me on my back. But while they were kicking me, make a lot of people can say it was my adrenaline, but I don't know because it kind of felt like it was just like they were tapping me. It kind of felt like they were tapping me with their feet. It didn't feel like they were stomping me. And when you look at the video, you could see them using a lot of force to stomp me out. They were stomping me out. But at that moment, it felt like paddings. And then I just felt like something just lifted me up. And it was the police, but I don't know, man. Like, it, it, it felt something. I'm a heavy guy. If you know me, I'm a heavy guy. I'm like 270 pounds. So when they when they lift me up, it, it, I don't know. I, you know it felt like god did it and then i had no bumps i had no bruises i had no scratches i had no marks on me like i literally walked out of that fight the the most damage that they did to me was taking my hat so you know that moment really had me questioning who god is like who is god you know who is this god that everybody speak of because some 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 supernatural stuff just happened to me so I want to tell people, if you, if you ain't getting right with God, if you haven't, if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, you need to probably start getting to know him. And this, this is coming from somebody who used to be a Buddhist majority of my life. And I'm telling you guys, the power of God is, and I'm not just saying that, like, I, 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 like I have to tell you that this is real. So that's just my little, my little, my little thing right there. 
you know, I, I would definitely recommend a g- very good book uh, if somebody wants to know uh, more about Christ. If I tell them anything about you, though, you say you're a big guy, but I think the biggest part of you is your heart and uh, your spirit for fight and uh, for fighting for truth and for justice of others, man, because you have definitely um, been a true friend to anybody that is proud to stand under the same banner of freedom, the red, white, and blue. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm very sorry to hear that uh, you met the wrong side of uh, Black Lives Matter um, there in D.C., uh, but I'm glad to hear that he looked out for you and protected you and, and kept you from any major harm. Um, sorry to hear that, you know, you had lost your hat, but I guess that's a <laughs> small sacrifice to pay to, to walk away unscathed and to, uh, you know, be then covered in the robe of Christ. So, Man, that was my favorite hat, man. It went with every outfit, I swear. <laughs> I was hurt. Well, is there anything else that you would like to, to share with my audience, Ron Jay? Man, make sure that y'all write letters to y'all J6ers, man. Show them that y'all love them, and that's all I want. And, you know, if you listen to my music, that's great. But, you know, use your voice. Use your voice. Right now, we are at a culture war, and the left likes to say that it's not a culture war, but it is. So, you know, we got to start setting the example. So that's all I want to tell people. That's it. Love, unity, a little bit of harmony, a little bit of melody, and some rhythm and soul. That'll be what brings us all together. And you are the epitome of that, Ronjay. You are a, a shining light in this dark world around us. And uh, folks, if you want to write your J6ers, I, as you always know, because I promote them nonstop, go visit patriotmailproject.com. Find a J6er on that list. They might be incarcerated. They might be out on bond. You can pick and choose as you wish, or you can go down the list. But either way, it'll give them the hope, the encouragement, the inspiration uh, to be able to make it through another day. Some of these just absolute injustices, the travesty of what's happening in our nation right now. And, uh, you know, Christ tells us to minister to those that are in prison and to those that are persecuted. So you can do your part simply by putting pen to paper and uh, let them know that that there's someone out here that's praying for him. One more thing I, I want to say again, thank you for everything that you've done. You know what I'm saying? Not only for, you know, J6, but, you know, you served for this country. You actually put your life on the line multiple times. So I want to thank you for fighting for my freedoms, for fighting for everybody's freedoms. And, you know, you know, I honor you. So I just want to say that to you, man. And thank you for this podcast and bringing me on, you know, use my voice. Yeah, you're my boy, man. I'd be, I would be remiss if I didn't have you on here to to share what you're doing. And as for my military service, it's my pleasure, man. It, you know, I bleed red, white, and blue. And uh, you know, I come from a long line of military men that uh, you know that have served. And so it was just kind of ingrained in me. A lot of folks they ask you, know, my kids they'll ask me, Dad, what did you want to be when you grew up? And I was like, I, I wanted to join the military. That was it. Like that's the only thing I ever wanted to do was to to serve my country. Um, but then again, I'm the guy that stands up in my living room in the middle of a ball game when the uh, or at the beginning of a ball game whenever the national anthem plays. Yeah. You know, at six in the morning, whenever the news station is doing their channel identification and the national anthem plays, I'm standing there by myself in my living room. Yeah. Um, with my hand over my heart, you know. But that's just that's America. Patriotism exactly. is not just a keyword; it is a way of life. And you, sir, are truly a patriot, and you have been doing the work of God out here helping to red pill others and bring those together. I mean, the fact that you 
try to help bring some light to the counter protesters at the vigil says a ton about your character. And if you listen to your rhythms, you can tell even deeper. So folks, go check out his music. Go buy an album. I want to hear some Ron Jay bumping down my streets. I ain't gonna lie, man. It's kind of cool to think that I have my own theme song. You have your own theme song, bro. You have your own theme song. <laughs> Twilight slash gleaming. We want freedom. We want freedom. We want freedom. We want freedom. We want peace. That pepper spray tastes like chicken. So you hear it, folks. We constantly are promoting love and unity and peace, right? Well, if you notice at the end of that, I had a cameo in that song at the very end where I was screaming, we want freedom, we want peace. And then I said that their pepper spray tastes like chicken because, quite frankly, I was mad. I just got the snot beat out of me by several officers with night sticks and sprayed with so much pepper spray. It was insane. And so, yes, I did yell out. The whole time I was there, I kept screaming that we want freedom, we want peace, no violence. But after somebody gets beat up, the rhetoric can change a little bit and become more heightened. And so I did. I screamed into my camera that their pepper spray tastes like chicken. But in all honesty, it burnt like hell. But I'm completely honored that Ron Jay would make the song for me and to highlight what is going on with January 6th and to use a clip of my video as the cameo at the end of his uh, song. I apparently will be known as the pepper spray chicken guy, but that's fine by me because, again, I was mad that I got sprayed and beaten for preaching no violence and peace. Many stories that come out of January 6th are rife with those that had no intention of any type of violence, no intention of storming the Capitol or overthrowing the government, but yet they were beaten and shot with bean bags and rubber bullets and pepper balls, pepper spray, and hit with nightsticks and riot shields. People were bloody and battered that day for being peaceful protesters, unarmed, and it is very unfortunate that the Capitol Police, Metro Police, the people that were there have complete immunity. They murdered four people and they didn't even do investigations. But yet every person that was at the Capitol, their life is being turned upside down. We need to speak up, spread the truth, get our voices out there to have our representatives do an investigation to what truly happened. Anybody that actually went there with the intent of causing harm and damage, then they need to be held to account with a fair justice system. But unfortunately, any American, no matter how minuscule their actions or how minor their intentions were, are being completely destroyed, railroaded, upended, because we are the political opposition. That is tyranny. It is time for us to speak up, to point out the police brutality that happened on unarmed Americans, point out the overuse of force, point out that many of those that are sitting in the D.C. jail have assault charges against police because they tried to prevent the murder of Roseanne Boyland. This is the definition of injustice.
where people can be murdered without investigation, but an innocent American went to the people's house, redressed their grievances peacefully, and now facing prison time and the destruction of their life in the process. So stand up, folks. Follow the constitutional process and get involved locally. That can make a national impact and get our representatives involved, get those in office that are America first. But until next time, remember, the Brandon administration ain't got nothing on we the people because we're Americans, and it's going to stay that way. Oh, say can you see